He's become the craze of UCLA basketball. His three-point shooting has captivated us. It has vaulted the Bruins and enabled them to win on the road in Pac-12 play against Washington. He is the next in line, the newest addition of a Bruin sharpshooter. And believe me, there are a lot of great ones over the years at UCLA. But he's only a freshman. And he is joining us on this episode of Locked on Bruins. Who am I talking about? Oh, come on, you know. Jake Kyman is going to be with us here. So plenty of great fodder for this episode. And with that, you know the drill. You are listening to Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. A must for this show is to hit that subscribe button. Another must, potentially? I think it's mandatory. Subscribe, yes, but also rate the show. Give us five stars if you have the feeling that we deserve five stars. And certainly you can always get a hold of me at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. So a big tease to begin the show. Jake Kyman will grace us with his presence on the program. He will be part of our first segment. Then we will begin to unravel UCLA's next opponent. You've got USC coming to town on Saturday as the Bruins open up their home portion of Pac-12 play. So plenty of basketball discussion on the show. And then we will also get into a little bit of women's basketball as they continue to try and stay undefeated on the season, they will be taking on Utah on the road on Friday. And if you haven't been following this team, they are 14-0 this week in the AP poll. They are ranked number eight in the nation and just absolutely doing it by humiliating their opponents. And no ounce of braggadocious behavior on this women's basketball team for UCLA, but they continue to jackhammer opponents. So with all of that said, you know UCLA basketball. If you are a historian of Bruin hoops, you have seen a long lineage, a breeding ground, if you will, of three-point stellar talent from the likes of Reggie Miller to Jason Capono to Tracy Murray, to Pooh Richardson, to Aaron Aflalo and Dijon Thompson, and I could go on and on, and I know you're going to say, Brian, but you forgot somebody. Yes, all of those people that you're thinking about also included in the list. The next guy to vault himself in the conversation as the next big thing when it comes to perimeter shooting, it's Jay Kyman. And he joins us on the show. Jake, I'm going to start with a hard-hitting question for you. What is it about basketball that brings you the most joy? Just the whole camaraderie of competitiveness, you know, being with teammates, you know, taking information from coaches. Just the, you know, it's just another thing of that. It's kind of like a mirror to life. You know, it's just, it's fun to be around. You know, it's like another little escape from reality, if you might say. So, I mean, just... Just that part of it makes it even more fun. And then on the top of it, just playing basketball and just, you know, scoring and being with your teammates, that just adds to it. So, yeah, it's just a big camaraderie thing, and I I love basketball for it, and I love it. Your family comes from a volleyball background. Obviously, your mom won a national championship here with UCLA, and your dad is also a volleyball player. So when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do as far as athletic-wise, why basketball? 
they just throwing me in the sports scene what I liked and they never really pushed volleyball onto me they kind of you know kind of hinted at it towards like beginning of high school late middle school and I was like uh, maybe I'll try it but in third grade my dad pushed me into basketball because he wanted me to just play it and try it see how I liked it and at first I didn't want to play it at all he's like just play one season of NJB see how it goes and then I just fell in love with the sport uh, it was just so fun so my two main sports were basketball and baseball I love baseball too I've always loved that and then just uh, the love for baseball kind of just started dropping around middle school and then my love for basketball just has always been there so then basketball took place and then obviously volleyball they've always wanted me to play but they've never pushed it on me they've hinted at it and I just never really wanted to get into it just because I love the basketball so much Obviously, your love for basketball, your love for UCLA goes back a while with your family's roots here. What are some of the more prominent memories you remember as a kid watching UCLA hoops? And what inspired you most about what you saw? Uh, just given that my mom went here, it just felt a place like home. I mean, always coming up for games. She always had alumni stuff, so I'd always be up here, whether it be volleyball or just coming to watch basketball, my favorite sport. So we'd always come up, watch some games. I mean, you know, just the crowd was always you know, cheering in the big-time games, playing big-time teams, big-time people. So, you know, it was just a like an eye-opening experience as a little kid being like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I wonder what it's like to be here. And it's just been my dream school ever since. And then I was just pushing, pushing through middle school, high school, just to make that dream come a reality. And you had a dreamlike performance on the basketball court last week against Washington. The seven made threes. Obviously, you've been congratulated by your social circles, the Bruin community, and whatnot. If you go back to being a youngster, when was the first time you had that kind of performance as a kid, maybe, when you got so hot out there and you just couldn't miss? Towards sixth grade, I started moving out to the wing, you know, started developing my game more. And then just from there, it kind of just took off of being like an actual basketball player and not just like a standstill like tree down in the paint, the paint. So from sixth grade on, I probably had like a couple games where I was like, oh, wow, like I'm actually good at basketball. Like I'm not just someone out there. And then, so like just the love kept building and building for for me, just becoming better throughout the process and just loving the process more. So it's just been a real big journey. And I'm really proud of myself and that uh, that love for the game is just always there. We're joined by Jake Kyman of the UCLA basketball team. And you got a lot of love from your teammates after that game against Washington. Sounded like they were throwing water all over you. Whose idea was that in the locker room? No idea because after the game I had to talk on the radio. So they all went to the locker room and I thought we were all going to go celebrate. And then I had to do this interview. So as I as I was coming back in, I, I, I thought I had a feeling that we were going to all cheer. But I didn't think water was going to be thrown at me. So as I walk in the door, everyone's in a circle, and then just water starts flying. I, I was just drenched. I couldn't even breathe at one point. I was like, oh, like just trying to get a grasp of air from all the water. But no, it was definitely a surreal feeling, just you know, being with your teammates, you know, sharing that with someone, and you know, just being part of something bigger than just yourself. My last question for you, as far as being that team player, obviously a lot of that involves being a good defender. I know you've talked about wanting to grow that aspect of your game, and Mick Cronin says if you want to play, you got to learn how to play defense. How are you coming along in that department? I'm definitely getting better. I mean, from the past, obviously, like I said, being a big man down low, I literally would not step outside to guard a guard because I would get blown by every time. And 
that's been obviously my weakness since I've been a kid. So I've just been building on that, and I've been coming along pretty well. Uh, I mean, the first I can remember the first couple practices uh, was pretty rough on me for defense, just just trying to adapt and you know getting blown by or getting shots up in my face. So you know I've really really been focusing on that the most and letting my offense come to me because that's just always been a strength of mine. And no matter what happens, offense will come. So I just got to focus on the defensive end and let that take priority. Uh, you know, guard your man, stay in front, get in help, uh, help other guys when they need to be in help, they need help. So just just kind of building on defense first and kind of taking more focus on that has really impacted me, and I've gotten better for it. Uh, now being able to, you know, hold my own, you know, get in help, be be a kind of a key guy on defense. So it's it's been – Real nice for me to you know focus on another aspect of my game to kind of make me a more all-around player. So just pushing myself on defense has really been a a good thing for me. And then obviously offense just comes. And as you groom into that all-around player, watch out Pac-12. Jake Kyman, thank you so much. Thank you, I appreciate it. Want to thank Jake Kyman for coming on the show. And you heard the last bit of what he said in terms of his desire to be an all-around player. I think what we're seeing are shades of him extending his offensive game than just being a three-point shooter and camping along the three-point line. I think we have seen an array of different floaters and his ability to beat a man on the dribble. Like we talked about during our one-on-one interview, it all comes down to defensively. Can he stay in front of his guys and match his opponent athletically on the defensive end, becoming that well-rounded player? And I will say this. Defensively, that is going to be the source of wins for UCLA this year. I know that you already know that. But when UCLA gives up at least 74 points a game this season... They are 0-7. Mick Cronin was asked recently, look, what do you think about your prospects of making the NCAA tournament? He said, you know what? I like them if we can hold teams to 60 points. And, you know, if they do that, they could just about run the table in the conference. But what I do want to bring up now is USC, and that's what stands in the way of the Bruins here on Saturday. And we're getting really close to this game being sold out. I think just a couple hundred tickets left, under a 1,000 for sure. And, and, and certainly, if you're trying to figure out your Saturday plans, you live in Los Angeles or in these surrounding neighborhoods, get out to the game, support these kids, and really make it a home court advantage for the Bruins and look the game tips off at seven o'clock obviously we're going to be talking about it ad nauseum on Monday and hopefully with a win in our back pocket and you know as far as far as USC they're kind of a tricky team to decipher their non-conference slate wasn't too fine like it was you know it was a bit shaky they played some close games against opponents they should have blown out they honestly did not play a very strong non-conference slate and I I do think that this team is going to be hungry 
because, look, USC just got jackhammered by Washington, a team that lost to UCLA. It seemed from reading up on that game that the Huskies were so irate at getting shown up on on their own home court against UCLA that all of that pent-up angst, they just took it to the Trojans, winning by 32 and absolutely dominating the front line for USC. And as I look at storylines, as I look at potential matchups that could factor in and play a big role in determining a winner between UCLA and USC, we have to start with the guys in the front court. USC, that is where they generate the lion's share of their offense from Nick Rakosevich, who seemingly has been on this team for like 25 years, but he's only, I guess, a four-year senior, or he's a senior at least. It just seems from a perception basis that he, I feel like he's been on the roster for 25 years. And then he's a 6'11 guy. And then you've got Isaiah Mobley, excuse me, Isaiah Mobley, a freshman who's 6'10". And so those guys have been dominant on the front line. And then you've got Okenya Okongwu, who has been the freshman center. So those three, they combined to go 8 for 40 from the field against the Huskies last weekend. And they really got bullied inside from Rakosevich shooting 2 for 14 to Mobley firing 2 of 13. It was a pitiful effort. And so that makes me think, and maybe this is crossing your mind as well, is here is a perfect opportunity for Jalen Hill and Cody Riley, who have, let's be honest, disappeared in the stat column recently as far as putting up offensive numbers. This is a time for them. This is a barometer for them to contribute in a big way. They're going to have to, you know, as they say, play up for this game. Even if they don't give you, you know, sufficient amount of scoring, they have got to hound these three aforementioned Trojans players in the interior. And, and really hound them defensively because if those three or any two of those or, or one of those gets hot, it's going to be a big problem for UCLA in terms of in terms of winning this game. And let's just be honest, Andy Enfield, the head coach for the Trojans, absolutely frustrated by his team's outing against Washington he said quote he said this week when he reminisced about it he said quote it's a collapse of team effort and no one played well those three bigs I mentioned they combined for eight turnovers and Enfield also said that his guards did not do a good job of 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 attacking the zone and gee that sounds familiar because UCLA has become you know at times stagnant when trying to probe a zone and develop some sort of synchronicity with their offense, get the flow going. It becomes a bit in quicksand, if you will, when teams throw zones at them. But 
if there's one player that you need to stop in this game, it is Onyako Akonwu, who leads the team in scoring, rebounding, and block shots. And coming up in just a moment, I'll tell you why USC and UCLA have so much in common and, and where they do mimic each other. Plus, I'm going to reveal to you another special guest on Locked on Bruins who is coming up on the show later this week. You're going to love it, and I'll tell you more about what that is in just a moment. All right, so if you've had a chance to look at the overall records of UCLA and USC this season, you're going to notice, oh, wow, the Trojans. Much more wins, a lot fewer losses. But that is a bit deceiving because the Trojans, and I said this before, their non-conference schedule was, was pretty weak. And they have shown, when you look at the stats comparatively to them and other teams in the Pac-12, not so great in a lot of key areas. And in some of those areas where they struggle, UCLA matches them in that terms of ineffectiveness. And, and I'm first off mentioning the, the three-point shooting, which is an absolute struggle for, we mentioned UCLA, minus the Jake Kyman experience, which has been a source of relief for Bruin fans knowing that we do, in fact, have a capable and consistent three-point shooter on our roster. But USC just hasn't really found strong shooting from outside. They are a very good passing team. They've, they've shown great ball movement. And what you'll see is them initially their offense is going to run through their bigs predominantly. Get it to them early in the shot clock. See what they can do and go to work against our interior players. However, with all the assists that the Trojans do boast, they do at the same time lead the conference in turnovers. They gave up a plethora of turnovers against Washington last week. And the Trojans, look, if you're going to foul them, in your UCLA and you got to foul USC, don't feel too bad about it. Don't feel like they are going to, you know, stick it to you from the free throw line because the Trojans are at the bottom of the conference in free throw percentage. And there is one more parallel between USC and UCLA, and that is their ability to get rebounds. You know, UCLA has gone every single game this year where they have out-rebounded their opponent. So that is a streak that's going to be on the line here against a, a strong and big front from the Trojans. However, just because we've seen UCLA out-rebounds teams, that is not a ticket to a win. In fact, Washington State, much undersized comparatively to UCLA, had only six fewer rebounds. And to be honest with you, that is a pretty small margin or gap between UCLA and an opponent comparatively when you look at the rebounding breakdowns against UCLA's opponents this year. 
So it's it's all going to start up front, and I can't say this enough, but Jalen Hill and Cody Riley come back to us. Let's see that offense that you've shown in terms of spurts of it. We need that to happen because you have to make an impact here. Tracy Murray talked about this on the Bruin Insider show on Tuesday. It's like, you know, this is a game for them to get out of their slumps. And, you know, if you can't, and I know the guys have talked about this, if your shots aren't going down, that doesn't mean you can't impact the game. And you can always control your energy and your willingness out there to fight. And so, look, even if their offense is a bit, you know, streaky, they've got to be really good defensively in this game. If Hill and Riley are able to to man the middle with, with a purpose and a, a fiery disposition, then that's going to be a major advantage to UCLA. Speaking of basketball, but on the women's side, there have been a plenty of different reasons for why they've had their own advantages over their opponents. The Bruins under head coach Corey Close back on the road, and they will take on Utah on Friday. And I got to to sit next to Corey Close and have a conversation with her about the team about the secrets or the winning formula, what's led to the 14-0 start to the season. And my interview will be on this podcast tomorrow. It'll be a lot of fun. Corey Close, just an outstanding person, lots of energy, lots of positivity raining through from her. And I tell you what, you know, as I wrap up this episode, Get yourself out to Polly Pavilion and watch her team play. I mean, it is some of the most entertaining women's basketball that you will ever feast your eyes on. And as good as they are, I can't help but noticing how humble they are. And they are out to their best start ever as a program. 14-0 number eight in this week's AP poll. And Corey Close is going to expound upon all the cool things that have been happening with her program on this podcast tomorrow. So a lot of exciting things to look forward to. Also tomorrow, we will hear, or excuse me, we will look at a couple more UCLA football players who have decided to enter their name into the transfer portal. And so those reports have come out. We'll look at who those people are, how big of a, a loss will they be to the team, and how UCLA will try to fill in those voids of those players who have decided to transfer. So all of that coming up tomorrow. Thanks again for always giving some of your time and checking out this podcast. I'm Brian Fenley. I'll talk to you tomorrow.